Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim and welcome back to the Verbal Outpost. You are tuned into part two now. Um, first half, we've just, we've been keeping it very casual in the first half. Um, we are in Ramadan and we're just keeping it quite lighthearted and just talking about our experiences. We have had my son Musa um, who's talked about his experience fasting four days for the first time this Ramadan. Um, so he's not doing all of it, but he's done half of the fasts so far. So he talked about his experiences. Um, if you are listening to us online, you can listen to part one as well. So do go back, drop us any comments, thoughts, any opinions on absolutely anything. Um, let us know what you think. And uh, while we went to break very quickly, I realized I didn't give the translation of the ayah that, that I quoted at the beginning. And it's, it's one of my favorite ayahs from Surah Al-Baqarah. And the translation of it is absolutely beautiful. And I think it's quite apt to Ramadan as well. So Allah says in the Quran, do you think you'll be admitted into paradise, into Jannah without being tested like those before you? They were afflicted with suffering and adversity and were so violently shaken that even the Rasul وسلم, and the believers with him cried out, when will Allah's help come? And then Allah responds beautifully and he says, indeed, Allah's help is always near. And that for me is just a beautiful ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah. Um, I think it's beautiful for us in Ramadan as well, just to remember that. And just to remember as well, uh, just to give a bit of a reminder that um, we uh, are um, in terms of Ramadan, it's not just about the it's not just about abstaining from food and drink. It's about appreciating this gold mine that we're in. Um, so during the days of Ramadan, you know, these 29, 30 days, it's an absolute gold rush when it comes to ajr and the reward that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives. And we've got the Prophet Sallallahu that's told us in Hadith as well, where he's told us that the deeds, our good deeds in this month are multiplied up to 700 times. And the reward for praying in Jamaat, for example, is I think up to 70 times, you know, everything is multiplied um, exponentially. And we've got things like Sunnah that merit the reward of a Fard act so all these small things that we may not be doing outside of Ramadan, it's an absolute gold rush at the moment in terms of accumulating reward and ajr during this month. So we absolutely shouldn't um, be neglecting it in any sense. So on that note, um, let's get back into the conversation. I just want to make sure that I gave that reminder as well and just ground this conversation um, and just frame it properly. Um, in terms of, right, back to the conversation. So we're talking about parenting. We're talking about parenting and we had Musa on just before and this was his first Ramadan doing full days. But 
do you know what? We were really 50-50. And if he wasn't on holiday, the chances are he would not have been fasting. And particularly on school days, um, he would not have been fasting. Um, so it's not yeah, me being a parent, I wouldn't say children fasting for a whole day for the whole of Ramadan or some days is a good idea. Um, other people may have a different opinion. Um, for example, it could be putting the counter argument and something we considered was it could be putting too much pressure on children or it could, if you start them too young, it puts them off when they're older and they don't fully appreciate or understand it. So there is that side of the argument and we were really considering both sides, um, but actually it was more so that really wanted to do it. So we thought, all right, if you really want to do it, why don't you try it for one day? And we were half expecting him to bottle it throughout the day as well and say, I can't do it. So we were expecting that and said that if he does do that, it's fine. But thankfully he didn't, he was able to do the whole day and we were quite surprised so it exceeded our expectations. What have your guys, you know, do you guys have any thoughts or have you guys got any experience um, whether similar to what we went through? Yeah, I mean, I've got two kids myself, um, Nasiha being the same age as um, Musa. Um, she's been doing half days and I think that's quite common, um, I think, for most parents where they sort of start them off sort of doing half days, um, whereas when we were younger, uh, with Ramadan we sort of mentioned I think in a previous episode where um, it used to be in the winter time so it was a bit easier for maybe a child to do the whole day they'd be at school not thinking much of it just avoid lunch I guess but yeah I mean the see how she's wanted to do it um, my daughter she, you know she I think she can see the excitement of Ramadan from her parents which alhamdulillah is really good you know and she thought look I want to try fast as well and that's encouraging because it means we're not pushing her to do it she, she that excitement's there herself and she's pushing herself essentially um we have told her look if you want to break your fast if you're really struggling come speak to us and we'll discuss it we'll tell you how long's left um and then if she really can't do it I mean alhamdulillah she's kept all um she's missed actually today she really struggled today because we went over to my mom and dad's house and she was running around in the garden um and she got a bit worn out a bit got a bit thirsty and we were like look okay it's fine you know you tried and she had to break her fast but i think as long as you sort of encourage it with the kids and you sort of go through that sort of practice round and maybe if you want if they if they really want to do the whole day maybe don't start the whole day and with me personally i, I don't think I'd be comfortable with my daughter doing the whole day. Um, I think I'd start, if she's starting 12 o'clock, which is what she's doing at the moment at lunchtime, I'd go up and I'd say, okay, you did 12 o'clock for a few days. Why don't we try 11 o'clock? Start from 11 o'clock in the morning or then start from 10 o'clock and then sort of work our way up that way and see how she gets on. Yeah, I've got to say, so in previous years, we, uh, I did something very similar where he fasted half a day. So it'd normally be up until about 12, one o'clock. And then we did try and push him to do it a little bit later um, every day. But actually, I think he struggled more doing it that way than he has this year doing full days. He's actually been quite good with it. And I, 
I, I completely get what you're saying because that's the challenge. You just don't know how much to push them and you don't know how much is it too much. And that was our worry. So the first day, um, it was more me pushing. N not necessarily pushing, but... Encouraging. Encouraging, yeah. Saying that, look, if you want to do it, that's fine. You can do it. And his mum was, well, you know, I don't know. He's, he's too young. He's too young to do it at the moment. So it was me encouraging him to give the whole day a go. But we did have that backup option that if you can't do it, don't worry, you can break it halfway through. We didn't tell him that, though. No. We didn't tell him that. So he did start dipping towards the end of the day. But then, you know, he was about an hour away. He was about an hour. He, he was about one hour away saying, can I break it now? And we said, look, you're just one hour away. And then he did keep it and he felt great at the end of it. And then it was much easier for him to do the second, third day. But that's the real challenge is you just don't know how much to push them. And every child is different. Every parent is different. So there's no silver bullet. There's no one size that fits all. I think regardless yeah. of how many hours they do, I think if at the end of it, you know, they, they're able to do a set amount of hours, make it to iftar, it's about um, sort of congratulating them, making them feel really special that they've achieved something. And I think that sort of lives on in them. You know, as they get older, they'll realize, look, it felt great. You know, I was able to keep the fast. My parents were proud of me. Um, inshallah, Allah will be happy with me. It's a, you know, it's a good deed that I've done. And hopefully that will continue on as they get older and I start to keep full fasts and it will motivate them. And as they learn more about Islam, they'll realize why they do what they do and why they're going through this struggle. I'm, personally, I'm not even at the stage of, you know, teaching my daughter uh, about fasting, you know, actually doing the fasting herself, because she's only just turned three. Um, but I've always been a firm believer in if you implant, I guess is the word, and educate them from the younger ages about the the meaning of fasting and the reasoning and understanding behind it. And, and like you guys have pretty much said, lead by example. Um, then that will also have a, a natural encouraging element towards that. I mean, you know, if we take praying, for example, when my little one sees either of us uh, praying, she'll, she might do, a, you know, a sajda or a sajood or something next to us. She might walk away after five seconds, but <laughs> she still emulates that same action. And even, you know, when her cousins come around and I'm praying, she'll say, shh. Abdi's doing Allah Akbar. So she understands a part of it. So, and, and even even the other day we took her to the park and you know got her an ice cream because the weather was nice. Normally she she eats the ice cream so slow it starts to melt. But obviously we couldn't help her this time. So we were trying to encourage her, like, make sure you eat it. And she's like, do you want some? And I was like, no, we're fasting. And then she understood like, oh, you can't have some because you're fasting. <laughs> so she's starting to understand, I think, the principles behind it. And I think that's the key thing is as long as you educate them on the principles. So they've got that understanding and you know lead by example that's they're the two main things i always thought that's that second one's very important leading by example and i i worry because a few years down the line i just hope it sticks that for me is the worrying bit and that's what we're really working on is instilling good habits that last pretty much their whole lifetime but what worries me is that when it comes undone and I just hope it doesn't happen around their teenage years because mm. that's when it tends to happen. So, but, you know, Alhamdulillah, it's been good so mm. far. With Salah in our house, for example, um, the kid's mum 
my wife, she's put a, th- th- there's a Ramadan calendar, which has three chocolates for each day for each child. And when they pray three, sorry, the younger two, when they pray Dhuhr and Asr, they get one of the chocolates. And then with my oldest, Musa, he needs to pray Maghrib as well. So he has three salahs he needs to pray. And then they get a chocolate at the end of each day. They've prayed. But the salah has to be in congregation. So that's all of us praying collectively. And that's with one of the kids doing the ikama as well. And but even outside of Ramadan, we we we're not necessarily doing Jamaat in the house three, four, five times a day. It will be sort of once every few days or, you know, once every couple of days we'll do it. But that has made a massive amount of difference to them being disciplined when it comes to Salah. Because before they were, the, you know what, you know, my kids, they were the kids that were at the mosque that would be running around when everyone was praying. <laughs> yeah, there's really <laughs> those kids that completely disrupt your salah. So that's kind of how it started. And the good thing is it's not like that now, which is great because they will get involved. They each do a small part. So the youngest one, he'll get the prayer mat out and he'll set it out. Um, the oldest will do the Yakama. Um, the middle one is now also doing the Yakama as well. So it's just all these little things where everybody gets involved, everybody has a role, um, and they understand, they get um, why they're doing that. As Muslims, we have to pray five times a day. So it does help. For me, the worrying part is why well, just make dua. That's all, all we can do is just make yeah. dua that it doesn't come undone in a few years' time. Yeah, it's all about sort of building that strong foundation, isn't it? So, with us, a similar thing as well, trying to get the kids to pray with us in Jamaat and whatnot. Um, the praying side isn't too bad. They'll get up and they'll pray. We might have to call them a few times. Come on, we need to pray, we need to pray. And I think that's just normal. Um, Doing wudu is where it's a big issue. The kids just don't, they just don't like getting wet like that to go do wudu two, three times. They can't hold their wudu, so they're having to do it again. It's like, okay, you have to go do your wudu again. It's like, no, you don't want to. So I found that being uh, quite difficult because obviously you're trying to pray, you're trying to pray on time, you're trying to pray together, you know, trying to get them to go into the bathroom and do the wudu again. That's quite difficult. But the praying side of things, alhamdulillah, they've been okay. And it, obviously, as you said, the whole um, getting them ready, getting them prepared, it's always going to be a worry when they get older. I think when you start seeing little signs, um, so Raheel mentioned his daughter, you know, telling people to, Shh, you know, <laughs> someone's praying. You know, we see, you see little things like that in the kids where, you know, you haven't told them anything, but you're like, oh, okay, they're being respectful, uh, you know, to the parents who are praying. So I've seen my kids where, you know, they walk into the room and see us praying and they try, they want to get past us. So they know they're not supposed to be walking in front. So they start doing all these like mission impossible moves to try to <laughs> get around us. <laughs> and I think, oh, they're showing that respect. They're not just jumping in front or whatever, you know, they're sort of doing these mission impossible moves to try to get around. And I think, okay, these little things that we've been teaching them slowly, they're picking it up and they understand. And there's a whole bunch of others I can't think of anymore on top of there's little things that they say or they'll do or they'll question something. And I think, oh, mashallah, you know, they're sort of understanding these things, these lessons that we're trying to instill in them. Yeah, I think they're all incremental elements of exposure, really, isn't it, to uh, the, the newer generation um, rather than kind of, you know, as soon as they hit the age. 
right, that's it, you're in the deep end all of a sudden and you got to start doing everything. It gives that build-up and that exposure. You know, like, even you guys mentioned half-day fasting, a couple of hours fasting. It gives that child um, an understanding of what it is, what it feels like to fast, not just the principles behind it. It gives them that feeling of what does it mean to me and how does it feel to me when I do fast as well. And I think that's going to be really important as well. Especially like we mentioned before about you know the length of days as well. I think it's interesting as well. We were talking before, particularly you two guys, you were talking about your experiences as a child and a lot of that Islamic environment, that exposure was usually limited to, to the mosque to a large extent. Yeah, you know, you would go and you'd learn Quran and you'd go and put your whatever your Islamic clothes in quotation marks. Um, you'd put and, and 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 it was kind of restricted, and then you'd have like the dunya element to it outside. So I think it's quite different because my kids, I mean, they we go to the mosque for Juma outside every now and then, but it's generally overall they'll see bits of that, you know how you talked about that incre incremental development so they'll see bits of it across all parts of their life as well which is i think quite different to our upbringing for example where a large part of it was just limited to just to the mosque so just interesting um okay okay some interesting thoughts um particularly around getting kids to do it as well so do you guys, when do, if I was to throw this question out, when do you guys think is a good age for a child to be fasting or 30 days? Well, I say child, and it's probably the wrong term. Um, a young person, um, wh what do you think is a suitable age for them to be fasting most of the, yeah, most fasts? So sort of 20 days upwards. I mean, I think what you mentioned earlier was every child is different, but. I'd like to think maybe around when they start hitting double digits, so from 10 onwards, because that's when you're, you're starting to build up towards, you know, the, the age of puberty, isn't it? Um, and that's where, if you haven't already had any exposure, you really want to start getting some in. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it, it, ideally, maybe, maybe nine, around the age of nine, you'd think, okay, nine, ten, that's the sort of age I think I'd expect them to start trying to do full days maybe maybe i don't know about the whole 20 plus days that might be quite difficult but definitely doing f some full days i think one thing i realized was you'd be surprised at what kids are capable of mm. when you give them a bit of encouragement and you praise them when they've done something good you'd be surprised at what they're capable of um but yeah, I would probably say something quite similar as well, because our worry was always, well, actually, we don't want to. I think for me, the biggest worry was in terms of health is that we don't want to end up causing any health issues um, mm. because ultimately they're still growing kids, isn't it? So it was a case of, all right, one day you need to have one day off where you're not fasting because I think if it, if it was up to him, he probably would have fasted all those days if it was up to him so we did have to say look 
no fasting. Um, so one day on, one day off. Um, like the fast of Dawud al-Islam. Mm. So that's what we had to do. But yeah, around sort of 9, 10. You don't want to push him too soon either. Um, okay, okay. What, what I thought we'd do, we've got about five minutes left. So what I thought we'd do is... Um, it's always a controversial one, but I thought we'd talk about moon sightings. <laughs> so let me just give a bit of context. As always, almost every Ramadan, almost every Ramadan, not every Ramadan, there's a big moon war that goes on, that moon sighting. And we're, by the time this goes out, we're going to be sort of a third, a half of the half of the way through Ramadan so normally people forget about the conversation but then it rears its ugly head again towards the end of Ramadan so I thought we'd just talk about it briefly and just get some thoughts and it's not like we're experts or anything but we've you know I, I, I take a keen interest in astronomy I've got a pair of binoculars I've got a tripod I know the basic constellations. Um, I'll go stargazing with the kids at times. So I, I, I do have an interest in possibly a slightly above average understanding compared to the regular person. So yeah, slightly above average. Not, you know, I'm not an expert from any angle. But what do you guys think? Because the more that I've been reading up on it over the past few years, the more interesting I've found it. But let, let me throw it out to you guys before I go through some of my thoughts. I mean, I've always had there's two opinions. There's, okay, you either follow Saudi or you follow local uh, moon sighting. And the masjid that I go to, they follow Saudi. So I've just gone with that particular masjid just because my family go there most of my family will celebrate Eid on the same day I've never really put too much thought into citing the moon myself or whether it's accurate it's only I suppose only recently in the last maybe couple of years I've started to notice oh there's a bit more of a debate about it. even though you sort of hear about it in the background I'm starting to question it a little bit more now about you know the accuracy of the Saudi sighting however if my local masjid is doing it what do I do? Do I sort of go against that masjid and my family and think, okay, I'm not going to do it on that day because I don't think it was a correct sighting. It's quite a big issue um, if we did go against that and celebrate Eid on a different day to my family. And for anyone listening, there there are two different start dates this Ramadan as well. So there was a Tuesday date, I don't know, but Tuesday, some did Tuesday, some did Wednesday. So there have been two different start dates this Ramadan. I also find part of the controversy is that you know there are those who go by the Saudi sighting, uh, you know, basing that on the principle of it's the center of Islam, as it were. Um, question whether it's actually been sighted because they do a lot of calculation based. I mean, if you look at your calendar on your smartphone, that's based on calculations, really, isn't it? Predetermining where the moon would be at that particular date against the Gregorian calendar. Um, but then I've, I've also seen the argument where it is impossible for them to have cited it because 
the you know just the way it was all positioned and the weather and all these other elements you're talking about the visibility maps aren't you you know the yeah. multicolored ones isn't it okay yeah that's the one yeah yeah so i've heard that part of the argument as well <clears throat> that you know when they do announce their their sighting the other end sometimes put forward well actually i'm questioning what you said about you mm. sighting the moon when if you look at the visibility charts and all this other information it should be impossible for the naked eye to have sighted it that argument comes up every single time it, it, mm. it's usually the same argument from my understanding and and in terms of my my thoughts on it up until about five six years ago it was just right what's a local mosque doing and you know, the local mosque would go with saudi or the umal qura calendar and would just go with that and that was it but the more i started to understand it the more i realized actually it's much more nuanced and it is quite it is quite complicated to spot it there's a lot more to it and those by the way those visibility maps from my understanding they are not based on calculation from my understanding i think that's just a prediction and that's based on local sightings that's based on people being able to see it locally so i don't know whether there is any calculation or whether it is a hard science whether it is a definitive yes or no binary yes or no and I think that's where we stumble in this conversation is that it's not very binary. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have to end it there. Um, you've been listening to Hamza, Rahil, Shafiq, and uh, Musa for a part of it on the Verbal Outpost. Jazakallah, thank you for listening. Ramadan Mubarak again, and uh, make the most of this blessed month, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum